3: skull hooker grind life coffee we also want to tell you guys to check out the new fred bear field notes podcast available on itunes or wherever you get your podcast learn about fred bear and his heritage it's something you're not going to want to miss and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together hello and welcome to the boner planet podcast tonight it's myself dave thomas along with tim mazzarana hello. chris mcgee hello. and kevin conlin and uh, guest star is Jared Lurk from uh, Jewelry Outdoors. Jared, how are you, man?
4: I'm good. How are you all doing? Doing, doing good, good, doing good.
3: We're just looking at Tim here. I don't. Is your mic working? Uh, you better turn that thing up, dude. I hear you tapping. I can hear, it tapping. I can hear you tapping. This you're you're an embarrassment, Tim. Straight embarrassment <laughs> to the whole podcasting community. <laughs> All right, come on. Say something. Let's just hear it. It's up all the way. You're good. You're good. good.
2: I don't know why you guys were like on (laughs) (laughs) me. I'm just sitting here waiting for you to not talk so we can talk to Jared.
3: Oh, well, I just (laughs) wanted to hear your your amazing voice. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jared, uh, what has been going on at Drew Outdoors, my friend?
4: Well, you know, we're in the thick of deer season. So I'd say the biggest ticket item going on is the DeerCast app. You all may or may not be familiar with it the, the the way i kind of summarize it is so i'm mark and terry's nephew and for the last 30 years those two guys have set in a tree or a box blind or something like that from the opening day of the season to the end of the day or to the end of the season and, and across multiple states and they basically put all of that knowledge into the deer cast app and created an algorithm as a deer movement predictor mm-hmm. and i think we're all beneficiaries of that think of all the things they've taught us over the years so The big thing is Deercast app, and then they did Deercast 2.0 right before the season started, and they put in Deercast track. So if you have a hit and you're wondering what it is, what it hit, what the lethality of it is, meaning is it immediately lethal two to three hours later or 15 hours later, there's a hit on there from the Deer Outdoors library that can, if you go into Deercast track and figure it out and and maybe track your deer a little smarter, if you will. So Mm -hmm. that's probably the big thing. And then, you know, the small thing is here in the Midwest, we're, we're at least in Iowa and Illinois and Missouri a little bit, we're battling EHD again. And it's kind of like a chronic problem. I just talked to Mark uh, three days ago and he goes, you remember in 2012 when they all died? And he said, you know, we said five to six years later or seven, maybe 2018, 2019, it's going to be awesome again. And here we are in 2019, and they, they friggin' died again. So mm-hmm. it gets a little frustrating. But other than that, uh, the, the team's having a pretty good season, to, or actually an excellent season, despite the die-off. You know, um, Steve France killed that mega 200-incher in Illinois with a bow, crossbow a couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. uh, Greg Glessinger's killed some friggin' absolute slobs. And everybody else has had some pretty good success despite the conditions. Uh, so, you know, things are well at Drew Outdoors awesome man. excellent
2: tell us a little bit about this ehd because i don't know if a lot of people know about oh, that sure. um because i don't think it's prevalent all throughout the country like cwd is like catching news lines ehd you don't hear much about it anymore
4: cwd i don't know where you stand on that but like and i know in michigan it's probably a bigger bigger deal than it is missouri but cwd in my opinion Allegedly. So, so i'm not yeah yeah <laughs> exactly like it's uh it's it's a it's uh, I it anyway, I struggle with the headlines of CWD. That CWD is nothing, yep. not even a fraction compared to the devastation EHD can do on mm-hmm. a herd. Okay, so EHD, if you if you remember in Africa a few years ago, there's this virus called Ebola mm-hmm. and it and it's ridiculously fatal and it's a virus. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that's what EHD is for deer. It's Ebola, uh, for deer. EHD stands for epizoatic hemorrhagic disease it's a virus we don't know why it is what it is it's transferred by a little midge or a little gnat mm-hmm. and it affects them sometimes in the july august time frame i personally think it, it it happens more in cattle country which may be why you don't have a lot of it in michigan okay. and okay. we do in iowa in illinois and missouri and it lives in and around the cows cattle are immune to it but deer that are in cattle country seem to be affected more than you know other parts of the country and it, it's a virus they get infected, and every year or every couple years, there's either a more potent or a less potent form of the virus. This year, at least parts of there in Iowa, like there, there are parts in uh, Warren County and around Des Moines where the game warden estimated it killed 95% of the deer herd. Wow. And wow. His, his exact quote was I wouldn't have thought it's possible had i not seen it with my own eyes he said it was just ridiculous and it so that form of the virus that hit there was very super potent or virulent and again it's a virus much like the flu or norovirus or coronavirus and it's literally the only thing in it when it's a really potent virus that that can affect these deer and traditionally it's harder on the older more mature deer and i think that's simply because they move less and are sitting ducks during the summer and it it varies at different times of the year, but when it hits in the summer, again, it's it's just a simple virus transmitted by a nit or a midge, uh, a no fly, and it, it, it can be, like I said, devastating to a deer herd. I think we have it every year, and then it you really have some bad outbreaks when you have a really, really wet spring, and then all of a sudden it dries up, and pond banks start to, and river banks, we have a lot of dirt in the Midwest, where Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois, those riverbanks are dirt, and as the river recedes and the ponds evaporate and go down, it creates all this beautiful habitat for the midge to lay eggs and hatch in that muddy uh, water. And I think that's what makes an EHD outbreak more worse in certain years than others when you have a wet, wet spring and then a super dry summer.
2: Yeah, so it's correlated to the to the carrier population, basically. Correct. Yeah.
4: Correct. Correct. I would, I... How many of the midges hatch and then carry the right. carry the disease or the virus?
1: I uh, but again. I it's went Ebola to, for whitetails. I went to South Dakota this year on my with my motorhome in October to do some uh, mule deer hunting, and I was amazed at how much standing water was mm-hmm. in the cornfields all throughout Iowa and South Dakota. I saw more ducks than deer. I mean, mm-hmm. they, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah. You could you could hunt ducks just about anywhere. So yep. I was on it that, was, I was on it U.S. Was a super 80, wet which spring, is,
4: a very yeah. dry summer, and then a super wet fall. Yeah and, yeah. and for whatever reason, those are pretty good conditions for a major EHD outbreak. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that Illinois got hit that hard this year, but, but a couple of years ago, they got hammered in parts of Illinois. Yeah, we got hammered Illinois in did. 2012 in Iowa. And then in 2013, Illinois got hammered. And I feel like Northern Missouri got hit pretty hard last year. And then again, not as hard, but hard this year, and then Iowa got hit pretty hard again. So
2: would, would you imagine a contributor is also the uh, the temperature? Obviously, you guys have milder climate than we would here up in Michigan or even northern Illinois or anything like that. I'm sure that probably has an effect on it.
4: Well, no, I I wouldn't say because it happens in the summer. So, you know, in Iowa, when it gets up to 90, 95 degrees, degrees and those ponds evaporate, that that I think affects it more than anything when we okay. have a pretty hot summer, which we – it wasn't super hot but it was hot enough.
2: I, I guess I was thinking more along the lines of your, you're like the carriers, like the gnats and stuff like that. Don't necessarily die all the way out. Like they would, nice you skeeters. know, up here. Yeah. Um, Cause there was an outbreak of EEE up in Michigan and you know, the news and you can spin it however you want, but basically they're they're you know, as, as soon as the first hard frost, go, you know, comes and kills out off all, all the mosquitoes, all the threats gone and all that kind of stuff. They're not expecting a big outbreak next year. I was just wondering if there was any correlation that you, that you might've thought.
4: Know, I like, I don't know what can kill that gnat or midge, but nothing seems to. We had a pretty brutal winter and we still yeah. had a very okay. significant outbreak.
1: It seems, it seems like you talked about that county lost 95% of the It Seems like it's going to take a lot longer than five years for that to come back.
4: Uh, yeah, so in 2012, when we got hit on our farms in Iowa, I think we lost 60 to 70%. Wow. But when wow. you, I mean, when you, and his estimate was 95 percent that's because he was just hoping five percent still live but like he said it was total devastation wow. and, it, and it's not it's not statewide it's pockety pockets and we don't know why but it is and it's pockety so anyway it's it's a major outbreak this year and we're just battling it so and you, nonetheless the team's still having I don't want it to be all doom and gloom but the team's still having a great year oh, the for only sure. benefit of an EHD outbreak the only benefit is a couple three years later the bucks that lived, reach full genetic Huge. potential because there's less deer in the herd. There's yeah. less social mm-hmm. stress. There's more food and all those things. So like, if you think about when Mark killed bucktober mm-hmm. and danger and Greg Glessner's killed a couple, 200 deer in Iowa mm-hmm. in a row. And I killed Hightower and Klondike, all of that was post EHD in 2012. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, like those man. deer got as big as they'd ever gotten. So mm-hmm. that's the one benefit. The downfall is you got to wait four to five years for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: yep that's cool man so so tell us about uh, like how's your season been going you've been getting out a bunch you've been able to what's been going on this year so
4: so yes and no so i've evolved as a hunter and and i'll be honest with you i'm not a huge fan of hunting the rut in november i love in missouri we can start in september i love september through october and then again i love thanksgiving through the end of the season Mm -hmm. just just so first day henry and i went uh we Henry went with me. He's not old enough just quite yet. We killed 166 inch, 12 point Missouri. My first deer ever with a crossbow. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't been out buck hunting much. I've caught, shot a couple does. And then Henry and I picked up a new trick this year since we were tagged out in Missouri. We're waiting for late in Iowa. Uh, we started duck hunting. There so you go. we're doing ducks and bucks this year.
2: You're speaking Chris's yeah, speaking language. language. He always or
4: disappears very, on us during waterfowl season. Down so.
2: During waterfowl
3: season.
4: <laughs> Dude, I, I just started duck hunting last year for the first time and went two times this year already. And it's- It frigging, is addictive. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. Yes. Like, it's more addictive than deer hunting. i yes. say like- shooting a duck and seeing Fast it up, fall out of the sky <laughs> and then and then cooking the duck breast of oh, appropriately breast the later yep. it's just, so
2: delicious it's awesome. yeah and yep. it's it's good food too so. we do a lot of duck yep.
3: jerky and stuff out where we are
2: yep yeah so so you mentioned uh you shot your first one with the crossbow what crossbow was it
4: uh the pse uh thrive 365 awesome man it it is, it, is, that in the PSE Fang HD, the mm-hmm. Fang HD is the one Mark uses. He's got it dialed into a hundred yards, a hundred yards. <laughs> it costs 3.99 retail and it Jeez. shoots 400 feet per second. That's that awesome. So it's awesome. literally a hundred bucks per hundred feet per second. Like you cannot go wrong. And so. and he can Wade shot a deer with that Fang HD down in Missouri at 84 yards. Wow.
2: That is awesome. I'm a, I'm a, I'm traditionally a, a bow hunter or a, a crossbow guy. I don't usually do compound all that much Um, every once in a while I will, but I I just love my crossbows and uh, I love it. So I'm I'm glad to hear that, uh, that you took your first one. Um, You know, was it, was it just as exciting, more exciting to walk us through, walk us through the hunt a little bit.
4: More exciting because it's new. So I know there's a lot of controversy out there. A lot of traditional vertical bow guys think, you know, they poo poo the crossbows, but here's my thought. I got my dad a crossbow, my father-in-law a crossbow at the age of 60 when they turned 60. Now they bow hunt. They never bow hunted a day in their life. So they got mm-hmm. introduced to what we all love, which is getting closer to critters because of the, the PSC crossbow and how easy they are, they are to use and how accurate they are. That's okay. awesome. Then, then my son, Henry is nine and he sees his 42 year old dad shooting a crossbow. Well, he's going to want to do it too. Right. Yep. And it'd be exactly. a great way to introduce him to the sport. And, and the final thing is I'm 42. I, I, I'm trying to cure lung cancer for a living and I have four kids under the age of 10. My time to shoot a vertical bow is much, much more limited than it mm-hmm. used to be 10 years ago or even yep. five years ago. With a crossbow, you don't have to practice as much, and you're still accurate. And I think if mm-hmm. you're trying to kill a deer and be as humane as possible and kill them as effectively as possible, you want the best weapon in your hand that you can have at the time. Bingo. And for me right now, it's a crossbow.
2: We, we are all nodding our head over here nodding. because I, you just <laughs> literally bullet-pointed bullet everything that I ever said about why I shoot a crossbow. <laughs> And
4: yeah, it's true. It, I mean, you
2: got the family aspect of it. You can shoot it. You can have your, your wife, once your it's kids. Sighted. Yeah, your wife, same, your kids.
4: The same crossbow. Henry and I can shoot. And my wife and my daughters, and exactly. we can practice. And it's it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: But but it's it's the ethical side of it, too. Mm-hmm. It's that when too, you don't have yes. time to, to, to practice I, and put 30 sh- arrows through a bow every day, you know? Right. It, Correct. It makes sh- it,
4: yeah. And then you're more fair to the game that way. Because yeah, that exactly. deer was at 45 yards. I would not have pulled the trigger with my vertical bow at 45 yards. With that crossbow, I got dialed into 70. Yep. I had no problem shooting him at 45 yards and hit right where I was aiming. Yep. I mean, it was awesome.
2: Yep, it is. I, I love it. Next man. year, when I go to Illinois, that's what I'm appreciate taking. Appreciate those comments. So,
4: that, uh, my buddy in Illinois, when they legalized them two years ago, he owns a bow shop. And he said, when they legalized them August 1st through when the season opened October 1st, Hot they eggs. sold more crossbows. <laughs> In those two months, than they sold in their entire 20-year history combined. Every guy that
3: I went with, we went on a trip uh, in, was it Hearthage, Illinois, on the west side? And every guy we hunted with, hunted with a crossbow, except the one guy guy I
4: went with. And they all shot deer. (laughs) Steve France just killed that big deer with a crossbow. That thing was a monster. You're you're just, you're more, again, you're more accurate. And and like I said, vertical traditionalist poo-poo them but it's like, don't knock until you tried it. Like you're exactly. just, you're just more effective. You well, especially don't, especially like win anything. You
3: think like, you know, yep. vertical bow when I'm not shooting anything past 30 yards. Yeah. And it's, opinion. it's the same hunt. Bow, it's like, I'm doing you know it. what
2: I mean? Like it's the same Correct. hunt. You have all the same challenges that you
4: have. Yes. Yeah, you still
3: gotta be Correct. quiet. You still gotta do scent Absolutely. control. You yep. know, shower before you go out, dress yep. when you get out right. to the
4: stand. It's, it's not a gun. You can't shoot them at 200 yards. Probably right. yep. 80s the limit, if you will. 84, Wade shot yep. one. Right. And that's probably the limit. So you you increase the distance a little bit with a vertical bow, but like it's still bow hunting. Bow yep.
2: hunting, bow hunting. We all gotta got to stick it, together. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of yes. interesting too. I like I talking to talking to people over the years. It, it is it is still uh, it it, it boggle. I don't know boggle my mind's the right word, but it, but it's still very interesting to me. The different laws that all these different states still have. Mm-hmm about crossbow i mean they they have declining hunter populations all this different stuff and you know people aren't getting into the sport and and to me i don't know why you wouldn't look to something like a crossbow to bring back or or start introducing hunters that couldn't have done it before because they don't have the time you know all that kind of stuff so yeah I, i mean i kudos to you man that's awesome thank you
4: as i say i hear all you guys nodding your heads or you said it We are in violent agreement on this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll capstone it with this. The best deer hunters in the universe, Mark and Terry Drury, like without question, they adopted crossbows in Missouri and Illinois. So quick, it'll make your head spin because (laughs) they they see why, you know, like you're more effective. You have a little different range. You still got to do all the stuff you got to do as a Mm -hmm. bow hunter, but it's more fair to the game when you're a little older and can't shoot, like you said, 30, 30 arrows through the bow. Every
1: day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you still have the challenge too, of like even like that 84 yard shot or whatever, you've got to have a, you've got to figure out your yardage. It's not like Correct. putting a gun Correct. scope on it. You gotta, yep. you Correct. gotta figure out your yardage. You gotta make sure the wind is right. You got so the same, you
2: got the same buck fever hitting you, shaking your hand. Correct. Yep. You know, yep. it's, All it's, that. it's the
1: same so, thing. Anyway,
4: I um, love crossbows. PSEs, like, I don't know how much the upper end crossbows cost, but you'd be silly not to look seriously at a Fang HD for four hundred bucks no three ninety nine okay. and four hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. I second. mean you're you're talking some of those they're higher is end accurate, ones. They're as accurate as anything I've ever seen. Like uh, with my I have a FANG LT, I can touch arrows at sixty yards. That's awesome. Yep.
2: Yeah, we. I mean, some of the some of the crossbows nowadays, you're looking at upwards of over two grand. Yeah. You know, for some of the higher end ones. Name. And, name. Uh, <laughs> that That's and it's great. I mean, some of the technology on the thing. I'm not. You know, some of the technology out there is great, but you don't need to spend twenty five hundred dollars no. if you nope. want to go out there have a simple. You know, not simple. That's the wrong way to put it. But if you want to go out there and tool. just hunt, an effective, an effective. Yeah, great way to put I can it. Take it yep. out and shoot consistently. Yep. And yep. ethically.
1: Since 1971, Burris has been the leader in optics innovation, and that continues today with products like the new Oracle Range Finding Bow sight. Burris offers the best value on the market today. Their optics are durable, reliable, and affordable. Everything they offer, from red dots and rifle scopes to their binos and bow sights, are backed by their forever warranty. Burris, find what matters.
3: 4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technologies. StealthCam continues to deliver the highest quality, most reliable trail cameras available. Your images begin at StealthCam.com. It's coffee break time. If you're looking for premium coffee for those who grind every day, if life is an adventure and not just a routine, Grind Life is for you. You could be an adventurer, military person, first responder, outdoorsman, factory worker, or just red-blooded patriotic American. Grind Life is here to help you achieve success in everything you do. Visit GrindLifeCoffee.com and tell them BHP Podcast sent you. And Enjoy a fresh brew. Just like us. Yo, Kevin, give me a warm up.
4: Yeah, so, let, so let, let's... Um, let me go real quick. Yeah, you, go ahead. You ne- I never answer your question. So I love early season, and here's the secret. I don't know if you guys can use it in Michigan, but radishes early season, uh, particularly daikon deer radishes from Biologic, they are the friggin' cat's meow on big whitetails. I'm not kidding. You. I learned that trick about, about four years ago with Justin, and I have not, not killed an early season whitetail since then in september in missouri on radishes no they kidding. don't they don't last through a frost very much but early season before frost daikon radishes i don't know why but they're pretty friggin' devastating on big whitetails
2: so is that is that um does that food plot that you're growing it in or are you throwing it out yeah, yeah food plot okay yeah okay. okay. yeah yep, yep. that's that's what i figured in and, and that I is carved, that is something i, we can I do rented
4: here. a dozer carved it into the timber any and it's for any west wind and i have a a elevated ground blind a muddy ground blind on a platform that my dad and i built cool so any west wind which northwest west or southwest are normally the good winds anyway in and around a front and i have like what i say is think of you sitting on the 50 yard line of a football field 50 yards to my left 50 yards straight in front of me (laughs) and 50 (laughs) yards to my right which because this is a west wind spot those are all west of me so any wind and all the bedding is west of me. They they literally almost cannot get downwind of me because there's a big lake behind me.
2: Yeah.
4: And all the bedding is west of me or upwind of me. And what I do with the radishes is I put them uh forty or excuse me, twenty-five to thirty yards to my mm-hmm. left front and to my right. And then I wrap that outside of it to, to make it to fifty or even sixty yards. Um I put sugar beets and winter bulbs, because nice. sugar beets and winter bulbs are really really good after three or four frost in and around the Thanksgiving through January 10th time frame. So you can literally hunt that same food plot early on radishes and then late on the sugar beets nice. and winter bulbs. And if you got a good crossbow and you don't plant it past 60 yards, as soon as the deer's in your field, he's in bow range.
1: That's, That's cool. pretty cool. When when do you have to plant those radishes?
4: Um, I normally plant them the fifth through the 10th of August. You want to you want to catch that first August rain. The the other issue is. You got to check the soil pH, get the pH right, and you got to fertilize them. Radishes require a good bit of nitrogen, okay. like okay. like. Well, I mean, good bit. I'm talking like 100 to 150 pounds per acre.
1: And and yeah, okay. do you, do you plant the sugar beets nitrogen, in that at the same the time?
4: component. So go to your uh, farm and home store and get the 3328 or 3000, 0, 0, just some some high nitrogen compound, and pour the nitrogen to them. The year before you plant them, you want to put some lime on there to make sure the pH is pretty close to neutral. Cool,
2: that is awesome, man! So great, great, great tips. I absolutely love it. Um, switching it back a little bit over to PSE, uh, PSA has had a couple new, uh, couple new compounds come out, right? Um, yep, yep. What you want to walk us through some of the the new stuff that you've seen?
4: Um, so I, yes and no. So I haven't actually shot any of them yet but here's what i know about we Pepsi.
2: have <laughs> yeah. oh good for you
4: i've toured i toured the factory i know pete personally and the thing he prides himself on is engineering the best piece of equipment he yeah. can and i have no doubt this 2020 line exceeds what he's done in 2019 which exceeded what he did in 2018 they're always what i say is uh innovating at the highest level and i don't think the 2020 line is any different than 2019 and it's 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 an improvement over what gets improved every single year and uh the new bows i think are going to be tremendous
2: and they are yeah we we actually we, we did we did get to shoot them uh last week we did uh videos on them um and great. we are you know they're they're out on our on our web page to take a look at we do the speed test and all that kind of stuff so um i we were really impressed with them um actually one of our one of our in-house shooters uh shoots uh competition with the pse and he was he was pretty impressed with it i know dave had some uh good experiences with them too so
4: i thought because i'm getting ready to order my new one which one did he like best
3: nxt 33 so which one nxt 33 okay that was great I made a mental note. Pretty NXT smooth, pretty smooth operator. But you know what? That cam system they've been doing lately has just been dynamite. Yep. Um, it, it's just yes. so smooth. I mean, the thing about PSE that I, I find interesting, as some people know, some don't. And when, when it comes to the high-end PSEs, um, over the years, uh, they've actually grown that cam system into, like, really one of the most smoothest cams in the market today. But it's taken them a few years. It started with an Omen, and the Omen was very aggressive though. Yeah. It but was. It had a lot of power. It had a lot of power. And then they, then they, they realized, like, okay, look, we got to get power, but we also got to get some sort of relaxation for the user. And then eventually they, so, they slowly, you know, evolved to this cam, So, which is the cam, so <laughs> evolved cam. <laughs> that was a good wording. That's, I made that work out well. Good job, Dave. Thank Thanks. you. Good
2: word play. Thanks, guys. So <laughs> clap so yeah no so awesome so we yeah so what is coming up for the rest of the year here you're going back out so you're taking you know you take gun season off you said and then you go out kind of thanksgiving towards the end of the year how do you treat the end of the year different than you treat the beginning of the year when it comes to getting your your target buck
4: it, it's similar so reconyx camera pictures seawar one's at and then the food source evolves so early season again you can on radishes late season beans sugar beets and winter bulbs are turnips um and that and you got to plan all that in advance you know in the august time frame and then over the years you just figure out where better late season spots are versus early season oftentimes they're the same spot um, so you gotta you gotta basically plant for that uh, evolution if you will and set your early season spot up in in the same spot if you can and then move the blind either north or south depending on the wind directions and transition over to standing beans or sugar beets and winter bulbs okay
3: let's talk about let's talk about real quick the the actual process of late season hunting because i know you know it's one thing to say like move a blind here do this do that but let's be realistic it's going to be cold and in that cold the question i have for you is how do you handle that cold are you are you a person that stays super warm just naturally or do you get, you know, if it's snowing out there and it's literally 15 degrees, are you still hunting number one, A, with a compound or B, with a crossbow, which I heard you guys talking about when I was up out of here for a minute? Or um, the other question is, do you use a heater in there or do you use just, hot, you know, heat pads? Or what is it? How, how do you do your process? See, Dave's all
2: about comfort. So he yes, just wants to know comfort. if, he's, he, if so, he's a lone wolf. So playing well, a I want to know if the big dogs blender. are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to Do you to take your out. switch out in the blind? You didn't ask that question.
4: So <laughs> let him finish. So... Uh, I'm, again, 42, I have, I have four kids <laughs> in the age of 10. I don't get in a tree often anymore. I love ground blinds that I, yeah. that I put on elevated platforms that I built. And the platform, the base height is normally my eye level, so about a yeah. uh, little under six foot.
2: Yep, perfect. And
4: that's what I hunt out of, okay, a ground blind. So all the deer need to be upwind of you, and then I'm a huge fan of the little buddy heaters mm-hmm. with yep. propane tanks. And yep. that will keep you in a ground blind no matter how bad the conditions are. Uh, well, uh, let me take that back. If it's if it's twenty below and snowing to beat the band, I'll take that night off. But the next <laughs> night, when the storm front's gone and it's thirty below and a high pressure system and sunny, that ground blind and buddy heater, maybe two buddy heaters is all you need. Like, and you uh, check that see. on the
2: DeerCast app, don't you? Do what? You check you check that weather on the DeerCast oh, app.
4: Oh, oh yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> yes, yes, or or weather.com. But y- yes, the DeerCast <laughs> app will tell you. Uh, so like two years ago, Justin and I were shooting shooting does with Henry. It was 35 below. We had two buddy heaters going. We shot two bows with our muzzle loaders. We had Henry with us. So, I mean, unbearable conditions. We had Henry with us. The does didn't go very far. We had a propel in the ground blind with us. We turned them off, the, the heaters, went to get the does. Justin went to get the truck Henry and I went to get the does we pulled them into the back of the truck and so maybe 15 to 20 minute time frame frozen. by the time we got back to our ground blind the propel bottles had frozen solid Holy wow. And so my point of all that is a buddy heater kept us warm all night and it wasn't that big of a deal I yeah. mean, it was you know, we have enough clothes on but it was tolerable enough that my at the time six-year-old Like I didn't feel he was unsafe Yep. And we had the truck close and it was just doe hunting. So it wasn't a major buck deal. You know, those yep. um, are at times a little bit easier because they're more plentiful. Uh, but anyway, we did it with Henry and, and we had a great time.
2: Yeah, I, I spoil myself. I have, I have the big buddy heater and uh, I have a uh, 20 pound, you know, propane tank that I take with a <laughs> ten you know, right? foot hose, and I just I can crank that thing as high. It'll Last it, the whole weekend. I, it'll, la- it'll last yeah, more it than a sh- whole
4: weekend. It so, like yeah. you, you should be comfortable and you should enjoy it. Like yeah, absolutely, I'll yeah. never forget. In '99, Mark and I hunted in Iowa in those same conditions in a tree, and you know we were 20 years younger. Uh, he was in his 30s, I was in my early 20s, and we got done that night. And Mark, I remember him. He goes, "We got to find a different way to do this." Yeah. And. He's like, I want to be out here because we saw a hundred deer on a you know a six-acre food plot. Like it was ridiculous. First time he would really hunted Iowa and saw all those deer. But since that time, that's when they got involved with the muddy box blinds and ground blinds and heaters, and just make sure the wind is in your face and the deer are upwind, and it's no big deal. That's then awesome. the other thing to consider: people are like, well, aren't they going to smell the propane? Well, who cares? At that point, the they're propane, dead. At that point, that they're prop- dead. Well, no, <laughs> I think of it this way: the propane is not a predator. You are. Yeah. Yes, they'll smell the propane, but like. A whitetail is smart enough to differentiate between propane is not a threat to them. A human odor is. And trust me, they can tell the difference. It's kind of like if you see a deer in the summer and you don't have a weapon with you, uh, they're not that worried about you. But if you have a weapon, you smell different to them. You smell like a predator. And a whitetail can survive. Literally, they survive in the northern part of Canada all the way down to Mexico, California to New York. Like there's no other animal that covers the territory and terrain that a whitetail does in the different conditions of the same species, like they're survivors, right? And they can tell the difference when you're a predator and when you're not.
3: I think it's interesting when, you know, when you, like, when when you're in a local community and you go to, like, say you guys travel to whatever, you know, uh, some middle little town in Michigan and you guys are hunting, and yep. uh, you come back. You go to the local restaurant, and there's people there, and you know they're all locals, and they're wearing camo, and they're smoking, and you they're they're joking. <laughs> no, seriously, this is serious. No, you can't do then that. they go back out and hunt, and you know after they smoke and all this stuff, and they still shoot deer. I think it's very interesting. Now, it's not always a big buck. Obviously, bucks are very smart, but they do get does. They do get deer, you know, or smaller bucks, which are kind of stupid now that I think about it. So, I guess it answers my own question. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, you, I mean, there's no way you haven't encountered that. Everybody's encountered that they all
4: in the do Yeah, yeah. I grew up hunting that way. I mean, I didn't smoke, but the people around me did. Yeah, so you didn't uh, so think yeah, much yeah, of it. It's just the way it is. But, again, they can differentiate. Their nose is that good. They can differentiate predator versus not. Yeah. And all the other different smells. And I'll tell you when I, I learned that, not from a whitetail, but I saw a bloodhound tracking a deer. And it was amazing to me to watch that bloodhound work all the scent out. And when it lost the blood trail, the bloodhound circled back around to mm-hmm. the last blood and then got on its hind legs and smelled where the deer had run through. So I was like, wow, wow these these bloodhounds noses are so good. They're differentiating the deer I shot versus all these other ones that have walked through here. Mm-hmm. And then we ultimately found the deer. But I, that's when I realized how good a whitetail's nose was because it can't be that indifferent from a bloodhound. Well, a in little, the way they have to survive.
3: A little bit of inside joke over here, but Jamie's no bloodhound, that's for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's more like Bigfoot walking through the woods looking for the deer. Where I is think it? I see it over here. Where's the body? Oh, no, it's not over here. I think I see it over oh, here. Oh, here's a log. Here it is. <laughs> we, we shot
3: a deer. We had a deer shot, and oh, Jamie decides man. to skip the blood trail and just look for bodies the whole time. <laughs> Wasting his time walking across a highway. We're like, dude, not, you did realize the backtrack, high, right?
4: Not a high percentage no, decision, man. I wouldn't get it. No, no, no. Oh, okay.
2: it, was a, <laughs> it was good. We found enough to know that it was still alive. Yeah, we found evidence to yeah. at least know what direction to walk in. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Always a critic.
4: Oh, always man. in every crowd. Always. <laughs> normally, it's your normally it's your good friends or the are the best. Yeah, crowd. in this that's in true. this case,
2: I just consider him an acquaintance. But you know. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> just kidding, Jamie. Love you. So, Jerry, what,
3: what what do you guys get going on after the new year? So, I know that starts the kind of the um, the um, show season. So, what's your plans? I'm assuming ATA.
4: I'll probably go to ATA, yes, sir. And then you know Matt and Taylor and Mark and. Uh, Terry will go to SHOT Show, and then probably NWTF. I will not go to those other two, but I'll probably be at ATA. Do you guys, I love that show. Do you guys have um, a booth a at ATA?
3: Or do you go hang out with PSC, or how does that work?
4: I hang out, honestly, at ATA. I hang out a lot with Mark, Terry, Matt, and Taylor because they have a lot of vendor meetings. So, you oh, know, okay. with Oak or PSC or Reconix or Tacticam or Rage or something like that, and I take a lot of pictures and videos to then post on social media because they're busy having meetings. And then, so I'm kind of the photographer and then learning about the meetings as well. And then love meeting all the people and hearing the stories. And, you know, two years ago at ATA, what was really striking to me was I was walking with Taylor and, I want to say a out of 10 people that recognized us, recognized us because of her and not me. Don't worry. <laughs> we recognize you first.
3: Don't worry. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, most
4: of the younger fans knew who she was and had no clue who I was. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, that's uh, too funny. All right. It might have been nine out of ten people. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then a lot of people knew who Taylor was. And you know what? Good for her because she's a female. She's doing it right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you,
4: she's always in camouflage, always very professional. She loves it as much as her, maybe not as much as her dad, but as much as a female can if your dad's Mark Dury. And she's yeah, a great steward uh, for all of us to get more females involved because as you guys, yep. guys mentioned earlier, Numbers are declining, popularity of the sport's decreasing. And we if you're a hunter and love it, and you're a dyed-in-the-wool whitetail guy or girl, you got to do what you can to get more hunters in Absolutely, into sport. Absolutely man.
2: Them. Amen to that.
3: Jared Lurk, Drew Outdoors. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Uh, go to Drew Outdoors online. Check out what they do. And you can see Jared in tons of videos and productions and amazing, amazing
4: animals you guys
3: have taken. The, so,
4: the, the thing I'll tell people if they haven't yet, go to YouTube, type in my name, just Jared Lurk. And check out the hunt for both Hightower and Klondike. I'm pretty pretty mm-hmm. proud of those. Awesome. Oh, that sounds
3: mm-hmm. fun. I'm going to have to cool. watch those again. Cool. Yeah. All anyway, right, man. thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Good thanks luck again. to
4: everybody. We'll see yeah, good. Good. Have a good one. Nice talking to you, Jared. Uh, have a good Thanksgiving. Take care. We'll do it again right, bye. soon. Bye. Yep, Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time.
0: Experience the power of 5G with T-Mobile. With faster 5G speeds nationwide,
1: you can upload your favorite videos super fast or game on the go. Plus, T-Mobile has more 5G bars in more places, so you can stay connected to what matters most from almost anywhere.
0: Switch to T-Mobile today, the leader in 5G.
4: T-Mobile
2: has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Oopla of Speed Test Intelligence, data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.